Hello, welcome. You're listening to Feed, Play, Love, a bite-sized parenting podcast, a place you can find advice, understanding and support as you care for your small humans. I'm Siobhan Hunt. When you and your partner decided to start a family, did you discuss who would stay home to care for your baby while the other went to work? Most couples decide that the partner earning the highest income will continue to work while the other takes time off. Adjusting to life with a child is all about flexibility. You make sacrifices and you band together. So that means you might be the one that's chosen to stay home with the child and your partner goes out to work. But what happens when that partner going out to work is earning money and also looking after the finances while you concentrate on taking care of the baby? And what happens when that flexibility becomes more about control and slips into financial abuse? Fiona Mort is the head of 1-800-RESPECT, the National Sexual Assault Domestic Family Violence Counselling Service. Hi, Fiona. How are you? Hi, Siobhan. I'm fine. How would you define financial abuse? Financial abuse is behaviours that aim to control another person. And as your synopsis at the beginning indicated, it does, it usually happens within the context of intimate relationships, um, but can actually be part of a suite of behaviours that involve other things such as emotional abuse, emotional psychological abuse. There can be threats of physical violence and other forms. Um, but certainly at the heart, it's, it's about how one person can actually gain control over another person in terms of their behaviours, their attitudes, what they do, what they don't do, what they think at times as well. So that um, scenario that I described at the start, I know how common that is in family dynamics that when they're very, when babies are small, when children are small and they need a parent at home, that it becomes this um, kind of structure that's set up where one person is earning the money and then therefore it kind of just rolls into this thing, okay, they're earning the money, they have control of the finances in terms of the credit cards, paying the bills. And I know a lot of people um, see that as a very normal kind of setup. What would you see in that situation could be dangerous if one if the partner who's doing all the earning and looking after the bills is going to be uh, a bit coercive about it start using it as control what what can they do when they have that mm-hmm. sort of um, I guess responsibility in the family yeah so um, probably there's two parts to my sort of comments around that question one is about prevention is better than cure unfortunately or fortunately and that it's it's helpful to, when you're starting a relationship, to consider about all these things, particularly if you're making sort of major life decisions like having a child um, or getting married or entering into, you know, purchasing a home, etc. It's to look at how that, that financial uh, matters are going to be structured in the relationship and particularly around having a child, having discussions about who is going to take care of the child, um, how the money is going to be divided or not, depending on the position of the other person, and and how the decisions are going to be made. So there's that sort of snapshot. And probably the other point before I go into answering your specific question is 
financial abuse or controlling behaviour such as this and such as you've described doesn't happen out of nowhere. Like, yes, it can be exacerbated by things like having a child or major sort of life life stresses or life processes, but usually there will have been controlling behaviour at some point earlier in the relationship depending upon its length of time. Unfortunately, sometimes and it's not picked up and it's no fault of those that are experiencing it, but um, because we know that perpetrators of domestic, family and sexual violence are incredibly manipulative manipulative and they're charismatic as well and there's a love at the heart of these relationships as well so if if somebody starts to see these sorts of behaviors there is a conversation there is there is information out there certainly we have information on our website and other services do but it might be that it's useful to ask some key questions and to look at opportunities to to have money in their own account, to look at uh, some form of independence that's going to be helpful for them and test test that out before those decisions are finally made so that you know what you're getting into. And if there is a strong pressure that you feel really uncomfortable with, trust your instincts, seek out advice from one of the services or ourselves about what you might do next. So if I could um, give you a scenario that I've read about on a mum's group, so a Facebook mum's group, I've seen posts of varying um, examples of this, so varying degrees of what this woman was talking about. But basically she was saying, um, I haven't worked since we had our kids. I've been at home looking after the kids and I have to ask my husband for money for everything. So I have to ask him for grocery money. He gives me a budget. I'm not allowed to get over that. I don't have any of my own money. Would that be a warning flag for you or is that still a little bit too subtle? No, that's a warning sign. Absolutely. That's about controlling and keeping control and, and he makes the decisions. Absolutely. That's a warning. And probably one thing to mention is that we have developed a financial abuse support toolkit that's available on our website. Uh, which has a range of videos with people with lived experience talking about, you know, what was happening to them. And that can be helpful for people to actually get a sense of what might be going on and might, you know, ponder a thought in somebody's head that, yep, yep, what my discomfort about what's going on is correct and I need to seek out some extra people to actually get some advice about what's going on. But, yes, your scenario, that's all about controlling her. It's all about keeping her dependent And we know one of the best ways to keep people dependent is to control the finances. If you don't have money, there's a limit as to what you can do and what decisions you can make. And it feels in a way that it's quite a subtle and insidious form of control because even as I was explaining those scenarios to you before about, you know, you make arrangements before you make certain decisions in your life and you think, oh, well, fine, I'm not good at money, for example. A lot of people, you'll hear them say, I'm Mm. not good at money. My partner's better at money. Um, And so when they start to take control to that degree where you're always asking them for money or you can't do anything without their permission, I can see how people would be confused about that actually being a method of control. What are some of the ramifications when someone has that level of control over your finances? Well, I think as I mentioned just before, 
what it can mean is you don't have the the options to seek out support in terms of paid support. You don't have the ability to go and you know buy things or or move somewhere else or you're reliant on what's what services might be available and you may not know what what is actually available. What we also hear about is that you know people in this context of domestic family and sexual violence where the, which is all about controlling behavior within intimate relationships um, women can often experience that they're put, put in pressure positions for things to be taken out of their, out in their name so what they can end up with is what is loosely described as sexually transmitted debt where they're the one that takes on you know the mortgages the the credit cards, and, and some women have only found out after the fact exactly what's actually in their names. Um, and there's a whole lot of work that can be done to assist with that and address their credit rating and all that. But that's the way finances can be used. That prevents you from getting, you know, women have talked to us about they couldn't get a car because they didn't have a good credit rating. So therefore they didn't have, and they also didn't have finances to, to be able to make the payments. So it actually prevented them from looking at options of getting work and getting to work, et cetera, and supporting the kids uh, to and from school and to and from um, different services that they might need. So it's all in the context of ultimately controlling them, preventing them from making a decision to consider what's in their and their children's best interests. And um, it's insidious, as you described it. It's it's stealth. It, it, it can often be done in a stealth way, very insidious, you don't necessarily see anything overt happening for a while. It's when you see various types of behaviours and when you look back, you can link them and you can see ultimately in hindsight what's been going on, that erosion of identity, that erosion of self-esteem, the taking away your ability to make decisions about your own life and your children's lives and the relationship. It's all sitting with the one person who's got control of everything. Now, that's a really hard situation to consider what your options are and, and where you go. You're just sort of enmeshed in this thing that it, it's happened all of a sudden, but it's often been over a period of time that might be a week, a month, a year, whatever. But it is about the one thing, one message we send to people is listen to yourself and and, and talk to people if you're if you're not sure that this is actually the right thing for you. Because this is tough, this is complex and this is difficult, particularly when it's wrapped up in feelings for another person and particularly when it's wrapped up with children. I was going to say, um, I know that obviously financial abuse doesn't just happen to women, but I can see that in some ways um, our social structures probably mm. lead women to accepting those situations much more because, you, you know, you hear all the time about women. I have friends who say, you know, oh, I'm not working, so I can't spend any money. And, I, you know, he's doing the work. And you're like, but hold on a minute. Look at what you're doing at home. But there's still this exactly. sense of domestic work doesn't count as work because there's no yeah. wage. Um, do you think that's part of the problem for women to realise, actually, I'm being controlled by this situation? Yeah, Look, I think there's a whole range of things that are compounding in terms of the way we view women's role in a socioeconomic sense. And I think one of them you've identified already, which is this issue of unpaid work um, and the lack of acknowledgement of that unpaid work. And that if that wasn't being done by, in the main, women, 
in, in whatever capacity, whether it's caring for their children, whether it's looking after the home, whether it's caring for their elderly parents, etc. What would happen to us as a society? I can't possibly begin to imagine, but I can at the same time. Um, so I think unpaid work is a significant driver. I think there is a strong sense that, you know, particularly around financial matters, there's this notion of expertness around financial matters just generally and an assumption that's very insidious that men know better than women how to do the finances. Therefore, when that's compounded by the man having the main income, then that's where all the decisions sit with rather than actually being a shared decision-making or looking at different skills and acknowledging them and the contributions to the household. So I think all of that compounds it. And I think, unfortunately, there's a sense of the average person feels that they should know more than they do around financial matters, but because they don't, they, they don't seek assistance or advice around that soon enough. And it also goes into when it's financial abuse. There's an assumption that financial matters or financial planning or whatever is about if you've got a lot of money coming in, not if you've just got you sort of scrimping along and going with week to week, whereas it's for everything. There's, there's, there's skills and there's knowledge that can be gained for, at any sort of income level mm. and we need to get it from somewhere you know, um, otherwise we're reliant on other people to take that control of us and we can get into these situations. I'm just wondering, Fiona, are financial institutions more aware of this kind of abuse now? For example, that, um, you know, if a, a partner has put their a fellow partner's name on credit cards and, and racked up all this debt for them and it's causing them the, all these problems, are financial institutions now on board with the fact that this can happen? Are they forthcoming in helping people get out of this situation? Certainly, there's a lot of financial institutions that are starting to pick up their responsibility in, in trying to support and address the issue. Um, and it's building uh, slowly. And certainly, you know, some of our larger sort of financial institutions have, have their own their own stuff that they do uh, in terms of, one, training their own staff to pick up things and, two, providing support mechanisms through their their banking sort of suite of um, services. So that's good. There's also an increasing understanding of this as an issue that's within, a, as I said, a spectrum of behaviours that aim to control. And there's some specific services available now to provide that support. I mean, ideally, we want to get women to, to support as soon as possible. And we want to, them to get the expertise that they need to assist them, particularly if they're in some of those worst case situations where their credit rating, their, their financial situation is so dire that they've got nothing and they've got no, they feel like they've got no ability to get anywhere or, or make some decisions for themselves and for their own safety and that of their children. And at the end of the day, unfortunately, this is once again behaviours that is about another person doing this to a person they supposedly love. And, you know, they're responsible for this. What we've got to do is ensure that the support's available early, um, as early as possible for people going through this so that we can limit the impact both personally and financially. I imagine there'd be some people who might think, yes, I absolutely have to get on top of the financial stuff because it's stopping me from 
for example, leaving, but they might also think that if they start to be assertive about financial matters, that that might actually push them into a danger zone with their partner. Um, the support that you're speaking of, are they aware that that's a possibility? Is that oh, how do you help someone yeah. in that situation? Look, at the end of the day, if if somebody is feeling unsure about raising any issues within a relationship, there's a warning light there. There's something not right. And particularly if it's about finances and asking questions, asking questions about anything because they're concerned about what the response will be and what, what the consequences might be, then something's going on that's more, It's it, it, something's going on that would raise concern for me if I was a person talking to that person about really what the type of relationship it is. So in terms of the support services that are out there, part and parcel of their work is often talking to women in the main, but obviously the, you know, men and um, non-binary will also make contact, who are reticent about, you know, taking some leadership or some control over decision-making and are worried about what will happen. And they will certainly talk through and work through what the fear of the consequences will be and therefore what, what the person might want to do. And that's always done within a risk and safety assessment process to ensure that nothing that a person is doing is actually exacerbating the situation. But again, as I said, if that's the concern, then there's there's a broader issue going on here that needs to consider the overall safety of, of that person and the children. Mm. Fiona, it's such an interesting topic. Thank you so much for giving us some insight on it. No worries. Thank you, Siobhan, and uh, I hope your listeners enjoy it. Thank you. That's Fiona Mort. She's a head of 1800RESPECT. And as mentioned, if you or someone you know is experiencing financial or domestic abuse, you can call 1800RESPECT and I'll put the links to all that information in the notes of this episode. I'm Siobhan Hunt. I hope you enjoyed this episode. If you did, please rate and review us so we can reach and help even more parents. And if you have a topic you'd like me to cover, send your email to feedplaylove at theparentbrand.com.au. See you next time. <laughs>